This morning, we're going to study the Bible together. We're gonna take a look at some scripture verses. If you have your Bibles today, you can follow along. And afterwards, we're gonna respond to the Lord in worship today. So please stay till the very end. I believe God has something very, very special for you. If you have your Bibles today, we're gonna take a look at Proverbs chapter three this morning. And if you don't have your Bibles, it's all cool. We got it up on the screen for you. We wanna make it available. Here's what it says in book of Proverbs chapter three. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. The title of today's message is With All Your Heart, With All Your Heart. The unofficial title is Show Him the Receipt. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for a Sunday morning and the fact that we get to gather here today. Lord, I ask for every person in this room, I don't know their state of life or the state of the condition of their heart, but you do. And I pray that every person would leave today trusting you with just a little bit more of their life, with one area of their life today. We know that you are good and your character does not change. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen, amen. thank you, Zach. In 2007, my family took a vacation to the Bahamas. And in order to get there from Las Vegas, you have to fly first to Florida, and then you have to hop on a really tiny plane to get to the Bahamas. And this plane was so tiny, uh, it had a row of seats on the left, and then two rows of seats on the right. And everything was perfect, because I was sitting there, I had my Nintendo DS, and I was playing some Pokemon, because that's what you do on when you vacation, you have long, uh, long flights. And I was, and all of a sudden, Everything was perfect, but then out of nowhere, the plane drops 20 feet, just like a roller coaster drop right there, kind of sending the entire plane into utter hysteria at this moment. Now, good thing we had a good pilot who knew exactly what to do using his flight instruments and leveled out the plane. And obviously, I was okay. The woman next to me happened to be my mother, and she was also okay. Only thing that wasn't was my left arm, which was turning purple after how hard she was squeezing it. But we made it out okay. Here's the thing about pilots. You may not know this. They have these things called flight instruments. And they allow them to fly and steer the airplane no matter what conditions they face during travel. They include altitude, airspeed, a compass, a turn indicator. And even using these flight instruments, they could even land a plane in utter darkness as long as they trust their flight instruments. Now, a way, a, the way a pilot trusts his instruments should be the way that we trust God's word, his instrument for us. That word trust in Proverbs 3, the Hebrew, Hebrew word is literally translated to lie utterly helpless, face down on the floor, utter dependence on God. There's going to be times in our life where we don't understand what is going on around us. Kind of like what a pilot experiences. Things are changing. People are changing. The economy is changing. Your wife is changing. Things are going crazy. And you're going to have to learn to depend on the one who doesn't change. His name is Jesus. In the famous parable from Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about two construction builders. He calls, he calls the first one the foolish builder, then he calls the second one the wise builder. And the, the foolish one builds his house on sand. That's his foundation. And then the other person builds his house on the rock, a secure foundation. The similarities between the two is both experience difficult times, which Jesus is actually saying, 
life happens, guys, okay? <laughs> life happens. Difficult times are going to happen. Problems are going to arise. But the difference between the two, the person who built his house on the sand, his house came a tumbling down, but the person who built his house on the rock stayed strong. The sand is a metaphor for anything we build our life on that changes. Money, people, career, success, titles, money. I'm gonna say money again. I don't know why I'm saying it, but money again, that changes. But the person who builds his house on the rock is a picture of someone who builds his house on the word of God. The person who trusts in the unmovable, the unshakable God, and his name is Jesus. Your relationship with God is not a list of do's and don'ts and rules to follow, but rather it's a journey of trust where every single day you are learning to trust God with a little more of your life, day by day, little by little, step by step. Christianity is not behavior modification, but dead people coming alive again. Here's, here's the reality. God is faithful. There is not one promise or word in his word that he has already spoken that will not come fulfilled. When he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. He's faithful. He cannot lie. Our God cannot tell a lie. It's not in his nature. It's not in his character. He physically cannot tell a lie. It's our job not to understand everything, not to have all the answers, but trust our flight instruments to trust in the instrument, the word of God. Now, where do I begin trusting God? I understand there's people here who, hey, this is your first time you've walked into church in a while or you've been coming to church for a long, long time. Where do I begin trusting God? I believe the answer is in Proverbs 3. And trust me, I'm right there with you. I'm a planner. I was the 10-year guy, okay? My plans have backup plans. And then my backup plans have more backup plans. And then they have contingency plans just in case option three doesn't work out. But unfortunately, that's not the way God works. He wants you to trust him with his plan. Number one, learn to trust God with all of your heart. The Bible puts a lot of emphasis on the heart, and some would say that the heart is where your spirit and your soul collide. It's the part of you that connects you to God, has faith, and can believe for the impossible. Or simply put it, the heart is the part of you that trusts in God. Proverbs 4.23 says this, guard your heart, for out of everything you do flows from it. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Yeah. I love what the Bible doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say trust in the Lord with all of your logic yeah. or trust in the Lord when everything makes sense yeah. or trust in the Lord when you understand everything. Now, God is not against logic or reasoning. I mean, look at creation. Everything that we, we see with our own eyes has been methodically thought out from the beginning of time. However, trust does not contradict reasoning. It supersedes it. When reasoning says it makes sense to make this decision, God's way will sometimes supersede it and say, no, trust the instrument, trust God's word and do things his way. If you're not careful, you can become addicted to reasoning. Now notice, I didn't say addicted to a substance or a drugs or alcohol. I said actually addicted to reasoning. It's to the point where you are about to make a decision God's way and then all of a sudden your mind talks you out of it. Like, 
oh, it, it doesn't make sense to tithe. <laughs> just, it'd be better for my finances. I won't do it. Or it, it, it doesn't make sense to live life God's way. I just, you know, it's just, uh, that's reasoning trying to talk you out, but yet God's way supersedes it. Addiction to reasoning also sounds like this, running a problem in your head. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You ever done this before at like 11 o'clock at night, trying to sleep? What am I going to do? When is this going to happen? How is this going to happen? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, says this, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I love this word, imaginations or arguments or every high thing. We're called to tear down ideas and strongholds in our mind. It's amazing how your mind can wander when a problem arises. Oh, I, I, feel, I feel sick. I, I got to go to the doctor. This is something really, really serious. When you had Costco pizza the night before and you probably should have just taken some Pepto-Bismol, go to bed early and go have some fruit. You're going to be good, okay? Like, you're going to be all right. The devil always operates in extremes that bring panic, but God works in a still small voice that brings peace. John 8, verses 40, uh, verse 44, this is Jesus talking about the enemy, and he says this, when the devil lies, he speaks what is natural to him, for he is a liar and the father of lies, and a little bit the Amplified says, and the father of half-truths. The devil loves to take facts and twist and bend them, it will cause you fear and, and send you into worry and anxiety when we could be trusting in God and trusting our instruments, but rather we believe the half-truth. We believe that the child, the truth is bent. He specializes in that. In Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says that if anyone comes to the Lord, he must believe that God is, that, God, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, if the enemy can't convince you that God doesn't exist, the enemy will try to convince you that God isn't good. If he can't get you to, to, if he can't get you to be essentially an atheist, he will try to get you to twist and pervert the character of God. Remember, Jesus is the rock in this scenario. He never changes. He is always good. He can never be bad. He's been good since the beginning of time. He's good when the economy fails. He's good when circumstances happen. He is always good and he wants the best for you. I love what one of my favorite preachers says, Joyce Meyer. We live life forward, but we understand it backwards. We want to do it the other way around. We want to live life with understanding. And every step we take, we want to know exactly where our foot is going to land. But God wants you to trust him. Point number two, trust God with everything. Yeah. Proverbs 3, 6 says this, In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. God wants you to let you in, let him in into your job, your wife, your kids, your anxiety, your secrets in, especially the things you don't understand and are out of your control. We want wisdom to come automatically, but the way that the scripture operates is you first acknowledge the Lord and then wisdom comes. When uh, someone approaches me with a life decision, normally the first thing I say is, have you gone to the Lord about this? Have you, have you talked to God about this? Have you prayed about this? I mean, he is the creator of the universe. He kind of knows what he's doing. 
I mean, it's not that your problems are unimportant. They're actually really, really important. But don't you think he would know how to solve them? The scripture calls him the wonderful counselor in Isaiah. He has so much. He has an an infinite source of wisdom. His, His counsel is not our last option. It is our first resort. We turn to him first in a time of crisis. We're not going to Sister Susie, who's just going to help make, make milk us feel better. We're not going to Brother Bobby, and Brother Bobby is saying, it's going to be all right, man. No, we're going to go straight to the source for our counsel and for our help. You know, you can trust God not only with the big things, but also the little things as well. In this short story in the book of Luke chapter 10, Jesus and his disciples, they continued on their way to Jerusalem and they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all of the work? Tell her to come and help me. You don't really order Jesus around, but she's kind of doing it here. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Mary was concerned with so many little things that could have just been left alone and she could have just trusted God with the things that all needed to be out of order. Now, Jesus was not criticizing her hard work. God loves hard work. The Bible All over the Bible, there are so many verses about hard work. But Jesus was, however, encouraging her to redirect her priorities, to trust him even with the small stuff. Now, Mary was in the same situation. She saw the same dinner that needed to be prepared. She saw all of the house that needed to be cleaned. But yet she knew what was most important, sitting at the feet of Jesus and being in his presence. Why do you think the enemy fights you so much when you try to read your Bible? Because that's the time where you commune with the Lord, where you give your heart to him. I mean, so many things could go wrong. You feel hungry. Your mother-in-law calls you. You have to pee. Your kid starts to act up. Or Disney Plus, the show that you haven't caught up on, you just feel like watching it all of a sudden. So many things start to happen when you start to read your Bible and you need to guard that time with the Lord. Number three, trust God's ideas, not your own great ideas. Proverbs 3, 7 says this, don't be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. In Genesis 16, I don't have time to get into it. Abraham was given a great promise that he was going to be a father one day. And God gave him this promise at the age of 75. But at the age of 86, he got a little impatient and he decided to take matters into his own hands. He had this great idea. Hmm, how about instead of my wife giving birth, just like God had promised, why don't I become intimate with my maidservant? She can, be, she can give birth to a son. Sounds good to me. I get to be intimate with a woman and I get to have a son. Everyone wins. This is a win-win situation. I don't see what everyone wants to fuss about. However, he didn't foresee the family drama that Ishmael would, would cause in his family. So much so that his maidservant got kicked out of the house along with his son Ishmael. Now, later on the story, we find that God is indeed faithful and is faithful to his promise and gives him a son named Isaac. Now, Ishmael is a symbol of what the Bible calls works of the flesh. It's when we think, God, you're taking too long. Hello, you there? You promised me this. Hey, what are you doing, God? You said this is going to happen. And we take matters into our own hands. And ultimately, many times we mess things up. I love what Pastor Jabin says in this series. I'd rather be late in the will of God than early out of the will of God. 
How many times in your life can you think where you were in a hurry, but God was not? We want our life to be at the speed of a Ferrari, but God is busy driving his golf cart. His will will not adjust to your calendar, unfortunately. We just have to learn to trust in his timing. In John chapter 11, urgent news is brought to Jesus that his friend Lazarus is sick. Now, if, if, if I heard that my friend David was sick, I'm driving immediately 90 miles an hour to the hospital. I'm bringing a whole gang with me and we go and pray for David and bring him out of his hospital room, okay? But I want you to take a look at how Jesus responds because he had emotions just like, he wasn't a robot, okay? Jesus had emotions and he dealt with stress and anxiety just like you and I do. But let's see how Jesus responds when a dire situation happens. John chapter 11, verse six, here's what it says. So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. He didn't get up and go into freak mode. He didn't run around crazy. He stayed two more days where he was. There's so many things from this verse. Number one, Jesus is clearly never, ever, ever in a hurry. He's never rushed. He's ever in a panic. Two, he is never moved by the pressure of extreme circumstances. And number three, Jesus is never surprised by what happens. He is never, ever surprised by anything. Now, even though this verse, verse six, is very profound, what got me was the verse before it, John 11, verse five. Listen to this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Wait, wait, what? Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Next verse. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days. Which tells me this. His timing for your life is a direct reflection of how much he loves you. In your past, when there was rejection, it was God's protection for your life. Every missed opportunity, every disappointment, is just another way for God to set you up with what he truly has for you. That, that guy did not run off with your girlfriend. That person at work did not run away with your promotion. They did not take your opportunity. God is not running out of blessings to give. He's not running out of the right people for your life. He's not running out of healing to give. He's not running out of resources. He's infinite. He is our God. We just have to learn to say, mm, that was a disappointment, but God set me up for something bigger in my life. Number four, trusting God brings healing. In verse eight of Proverbs chapter three, it says this, then you will have health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Trusting God, according to Proverbs three, actually brings healing for your body. And I would even add to that, it's going to bring emotional healing. It's gonna bring mental healing to your life. I'm here to declare to you that because of the finished work of what Jesus did on the cross, there is healing for your body today. We believe that here in City Light Church. We believe in the power of Scripture verse. We believe in 1 Peter 2, 24, that by his stripes, you were healed. That every time Jesus took a beating on the cross, it wasn't just for sin. He was actually taking on cancer. He was taking on sickness. He was taking on broken legs and injuries. He was taking upon that upon his body so that you don't have to bear it. He bore your sicknesses. He carried your pains. By Christ Jesus, you were healed. That's part of the finished work on the cross. And I have news for you. You may say today, but, but what if, what if I caused this? 
What if, what if I inflicted this injury on myself? What if because of poor decisions, I have this condition in my life? I'm here to tell you that you don't have to earn it. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to work for it. It's part of what Jesus purchased for you on the cross. How many of you have ever been to Walmart before? Uh, sorry, wrong question. How many of you have been to Walmart and actually survived? Okay, all right, we, you have lived to tell the tale. Okay, now Walmart is one of the few places in which you, uh, when you leave, they require you to show them the receipt, right? And, uh, and it frustrates me because oftentimes the cash registers are like within eye distance. And the person with the yellow highlighter can clearly see me like scan the items and even swipe my credit card. It's like, did you just not see me pay for that? You wanna pay for it again? What's going on here? So when I go out to the exit and I'm, I'm about to leave, they say, all right, here, what's, show, show me your receipt, show me your items. And that receipt right there is a proof of purchase. It's a proof that any items that are in your cart that are in your bag on the way out, you officially own. So if anyone tried to come up to you, anyone tried to say this, hey, you need to take those items back. Or hey, give me those items. They don't belong to you. You, you, you stole those items. All you need to do is just pull up the receipt and show them that you have proof of purchase, that these items belong to you. I'm here to tell you today that God's word is your receipt as a proof of purchase for everything Jesus bought for you. Every time your life comes with sickness, comes with depression, comes with anything the enemy might try to say, that's not your, that's not your turn to complain and go watching the news and go, and go talking to Sister Susie about it. It's your time to pull up God's word and show them the receipt. Show yourself the receipt. Remind yourself of how good God is. Remind yourself of how God is faithful to your life. Remind yourself how much God loves you. Show your own self the receipt. As someone comes up to the keys and, and we start ending here today, I want to say this today. God will never, ever put something on his child that he has already put on his son, Jesus. Did you hear that? The trial and the tribulation that you are going through right now was not caused by God. Remember, his character never changes. He is always, always good. And he can never, ever be bad. Now, we know in Romans 8, 38, that God uses all things to work together for good, all things in his life, yet God did not cause it. He will take the sickness that you're dealing with, even though it was not caused by God, and he will use that to heal. He will use that for your advantage. He will take the layoff at your job that you experience, and he will use that for your advantage. He is always good. And as we, as we get ready to land this point, I wanna encourage you today, learn to trust God with all of your heart. Not with the logic, not when it makes sense. Some of you in here, God is telling you to do certain things today and in your logical mind, it doesn't make sense. But yet in your heart, it does. First, learn to, second, learn to acknowledge him in all of your ways and he'll direct your paths. Thirdly, learn to trust his ideas, not your own great ideas. And last but not least, learn to trust in the healing power of God because it will come when you learn to trust him with everything in your life. In these last few, few moments of our service, I'm gonna give everyone an opportunity to trust God with their first step, with, with their heart, with their soul. Trust God with their life. And this is what we would call giving your life to Christ. 
The Bible says in the book of Romans that when you confess Jesus as your Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Bible also says that if you just believe in Jesus, all you need is faith. It's not good works. You're not saved because of your performance. You're not saved because you're amazing. I believe you are amazing. You're not saved because of that. You are saved because God just loves you and you wanted to make this available for free. But we all know that free is expensive and he already paid the highest price. So would you do this with me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? There are people here who are far from God. There are people here who have never surrendered your life to Christ. We're gonna pray a prayer right now, but it's especially important that you pray this prayer. So everyone repeat this prayer after me out loud with your own voice. Everyone say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died and rose again for me. Save me now. I turn from my old life and I turn towards you. Jesus, I declare you're the Lord of my life. Amen. Come on, can we give it up for those people? that just gave their lives to Jesus. Come on, let's give it up for them.